Welcome to Dear Alice, a lifestyle approach to interior design. Sue, you're a bather. I'm such a bather. Yeah. I love taking a bath. And yeah, there's an art to it. It's not for everyone. Jess is not a bather. I'm not a bather. And I actually had to sort of fight my builder as to why I needed a tub. And he was like, well, in case you ever want to sell your home, you're going to need a tub. And I was like, rude. And they're pretty. (laughs) And then I was like, you're right. How come I didn't, how come I'm not thinking of this the right way? And you know who uses my tub? My puppy, Lady Bennett. We (laughs) bathe her in our tub. So I'm glad I have it. Seriously. But also it's beautiful. It's really, it's a pretty beautiful Mm -hmm. soft form in a bathroom, which is otherwise square or rectangle Mm -hmm. with square or rectangle tiles. So it's kind of a hard cold room and it's beautiful to add a a lovely sculptural soft shape of a tub. I'm going to buy Jess all the bath accessories for Christmas. Damn it, she's going to try bathing. I feel like I should try it because the people that do bathe love it. There's nobody that just kind of likes a bath. Everybody that bathes is really passionate about it. And so I'm like, I feel like I'm missing out on a massage or a, you know what I mean? Something really wonderful by not being a bather. You are. I bet. Seriously, designs will just come to you in the middle of the night after you start bathing. Gosh, that sounds nice. I know. Anyway, so. You'll all get your life's (laughs) questions answered if you bathe. (laughs) I know. And I think that that's why I love it so much because it is just like that moment of stillness, like you're not, when you're taking a bath, you're not in a rush. Mm-hmm. And we're always in a rush. We're yeah. always moving to the next appointment. So a bath is something you do not have to like rush. Yeah. I love that. Um, one of the pro tips we have for you today about the bathtub comes to you from um, something that happened to us with a client, which was we bought her a beautiful brand name tub that we loved the shape of it for her remodel. This is a client that bathes twice a day, some days, especially in the winter because it's so cold here. And she's a petite little gal and really truly the only way she can truly warm up is to get in a bath to get her little bones all warmed up. Um, So anyway, we got her the most beautiful tub. It came for fun when it came to her house. She opened up the big box in her garage and she got inside of it and she did not like the way it felt on her body. And she was like, I can't, I, I can't live with, I, this isn't this isn't my tub, and ever since then we have made all of our clients go to your plumbing supply store wherever you're going to go pick out appliances and choose your tub based on how it fits your body. I mean, you can also look obviously at the ones that you like the look of them, but if you're trying to decide between a few, you got to sit in it. Yep. If you're a bather, if you're not a bather and it's just for looks, right? Go for it. But yeah. Who even knows if my tub's comfortable? Should try it tonight. I should try it. I just bought it based on its aesthetic value. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's gorgeous. Yeah. Another thing for the purist that bathes is um, the material that your tub is made out of. If you are a bather, we would say invest in the cast iron tub instead of the acrylic tub. Mm-hmm because the cast iron is going to hold heat longer for you so you can bathe longer where the acrylic is not going to hold on to it as much. So you might have to turn on that hot water partway through your bath to warm things up again. Who wants to be sitting cold in a bath? And I'm it's going to say, and it feels to substantial too. Like mm-hmm. cast iron is heavy. That was my mm-hmm. problem with my the tub that we bought is it was acrylic. And I was like, you just slide it around wherever you want Corey's to. Corey's like, this is a, this is a, blow it away. this is a play tub. Yeah. This is not exactly. for a grown up man like me. <laughs> yeah. I just wasn't expecting Ch- it. Child's so. play. I know. Yeah. I bought an acrylic tub 
because I wanted a pretty one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and we ended up, we're going to keep it now because you were like, how often are you going to bathe? And we're like, yeah, we're not bathers. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. going to look pretty and that's what it's going to do. But it's light. <laughs> <laughs> Corey's manly Whatever. strength is, is offended by yeah. the weight of his tub. <laughs> Another one is um, the hearth on the fireplace. Yeah. It's more of the fireplace on top of the hearth. You know what the hearth is, right? That's the spot that you like sitting. It usually sits like 16 to 18 inches above the ground and it's like a bench. Mm-hmm. So we'll see these and we'll put them in. If you have a ski and ski out lodge, let's put a Park hearth City, in there. Park City, Utah. Let's, <laughs> let's put do a hearth it. in there because you're going to want to warm up by the fire after a cold ski day. And so if it's applicable like that and the space planning and there's tall, tall ceilings mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it's a cold wintry day, it makes sense. But we love the look of the firebox sitting on the ground and having a ground hearth. That's when you still have to have some tile on the ground and you have the mantle sit, like standing on the ground. Yeah, as well. I think the hearth is dated. Uh, yeah. We don't do hearths ninety-seven percent of the time. Just taking them out. When we, we are go into homes. Yeah, when we're remodeling, we're and we're gaining that space back. Yeah. To do ottomans or something else that's more plush in front of the fire. And something of like space and available. And you get that fireplace. The, mantle. the mantle's now at eye level where you can appreciate it. Here's here's a real bummer. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Hit me. Hearth, firebox, mantle, TV. Oh. So now that TV's like freaking like slapped a hundred a hundred inches in the air, and your neck is broken, and you're oh. just like. Now your chiropractic why? bill is going to be out of no, Why, why do we do this charts. to ourselves? Yeah. Anyway, I, the hearth is a real, it, that's, uh, anyway, we're done with the hearth. And I think that that's probably a real rule. Will we break that rule? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we will. will. We will put hearths if it looks rad and we find a cool design for them. And we have done that. But also, also, we have to have the ceiling height. You have to have a tall ceiling to do a hearth. You do have to have a tall ceiling. We're not, do, we're not giving you a hearth in a nine foot ceiling or an oh. eight foot ceiling. So oh. 10 or above? <laughs> Barely 10. 10 is like, you could do a hearth, but you probably shouldn't. Okay. Just because we don't like them. And at 10 feet, you don't have to have it. Okay. Unless yeah. you do, unless it's like your dream to, because you, you've just always wanted one. Or architecturally, it makes sense. Yeah. And I'll put it in. They're not that comfortable. There's more comfortable ways to sit in front of a fire. You have to have Definitely. a massive room to be able to like want to occupy that square footage with a hearth. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been like, I want to sit down and enjoy myself. I'm going to go ahead and sit on this rock slab. Yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think I've ever said that. that. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're frostbitten. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the only time. Okay. <laughs> Moving on from the hearth. One of the rules that often breaks people's brains is that when you're arranging your furniture, not everything has to be at the 90 degree angle. Yeah. Like you might, you might corner a pair of chairs where one's against a wall and then you have a side table and then one is 90 degrees from that facing the opposite way. Um, you can throw things off on angles and it doesn't have to be a perfect 45 degree angle. Um, we are really seeing a movement right now where there's a lot of curved sofas Every one of our lines is carrying a curved sofa. There's this movement with um, more organic shapes and furnishings. And so when you use a curved sofa, now all of a sudden you don't have these straight lines or 45 degree angles. You're starting just to angle things into um, a conversation area, almost as if the furniture are are the people that are having a conversation with the sofa. So when you walk into a room, the room should look like it's having a conversation. And um, having things off on different angles that are a little bit more obtuse 
I think looks way more designer. So don't feel like you have to square everything up. I think that's also breaking a rule. One of the things that is often missed in a home that's more affordable is window casings. Mm -hmm. They don't put them on the windows. They leave them off. So that's the trim, as some people say, around the window. So you're not just looking at sheetrock, making that corner and not having anything defining that. It's kind of like the eyeliner on the eye, yeah. you know, and also like door casings mm -hmm. and then nice big base molds, I think will also make a room feel really successful. So if you did buy a home that has, say, a three-inch base. Uh, that's my least favorite <laughs> Corey, thing. was that a reaction yeah. from you? It, yeah. came, it seemed like it came deep Her down dry heat somewhere in your gut. Yeah. Sometimes builders <laughs> will uh, use casing as baseboard, which is not cool. And Corey's pointing his yeah. finger right now <laughs> yeah, really dramatically at me. Um, <laughs> to save money. And it's mm -hmm. like, that's, that's a casing that goes around a door. It goes around a window. I see you. It doesn't, yeah. It doesn't <laughs> go around your room. That's not what it's there for. Uh, call that's my, on it, yeah. people. What do you think the difference between a window casing and a baseboard is then? Um, four inches at least. Like in, in price or what? Or in size? No, in size. Um, yeah, four inches. I the would say. The difference is four inches. The yeah. window casing is say three, three and the baseboard should be seven. Yep. Yeah. So they're. They're really cheaping out on you. Yeah. And then your car, their carpet's covering up some of it. So it looks like just a little, a little sneak peek of something it's coming little, out of your carpet. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. horrible. Don't ever do that. <laughs> Good. Okay. Thank you for the clarification. And to answer Amy, your question on the half wall, um, we've gone to homes where they still have that and they want to maintain that. And what we do with that is we have an interesting paint color usually in those spaces. It's usually in like dining rooms living rooms, things like that. And it's not just a chair rail. People were not talking about the chair rail. If you have a chair, chair rail. Can we define what that is for yes, them? Yes, you will. I will. There's That's just a piece of molding that just like cuts the room in half. There's no paneling below. It's just drywall. Mm -hmm. Drywall below it, drywall above it. And it's just like this little trim piece that goes around the center of the room. And it's just like a bad belt. Let's go I ahead think and strip originally like it was intended so that if you backed your dining chair up, mm -hmm that it wouldn't like dent the wall or something yeah. at the height of the dining chair. True facts. That's is that, yeah. is that, would you say that's accurate? It's 100% accurate. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of times we'll see that in older homes. I would say 1980 or, or older, like into the seventies. Yeah. I feel like it was 90s? a thing in the early two thousands like, though. Oh really? The chair rail? Yeah. I mean, nobody's doing the chair rail though, right now. Historically yeah. we would have a chair. Like if you think about like an old plantation home, they might have that yes. chair rail, but there's paneling below it. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. but yeah, but the chair rail that we're talking about is just when they plaster or just paste that little trim piece, you know, about yeah, I don't know, 36 inches off the floor. And there's just like pebbly drywall below it and pebbly drywall above it. So. Oh, Sue, stop talking. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm plugging my anyway, ears. Go ahead. I just saw that in my mind. <laughs> go ahead and tear those onions off. And like, oh, take it off and you'll be, you'll feel like you lost a million pounds and you're just going to like hopefully re-skim your walls and just paint it a beautiful color. And you're just not cutting that that line with a low cut gene, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. I'm going to have to quit, <laughs> quit doing this podcast for a minute to get my mind right. No, I'm just kidding. It's oh, <laughs> so funny. The cityscape offender is what we wrote down. What does that mean? Yeah. Okay. Cityscape offender. Let's start there. Okay. That is when you have <laughs> cabinets at all different heights. So imagine a kitchen, a run of kitchen cabinets you have your countertop, 
they all start at the same height, typically around 18 mm-hmm. inches from the countertop. Mm-hmm. But then like some are three feet high. Then some might go close to the ceiling, but not quite there. And then it drops down here and then it raises up again. You got the one above the fridge. Yeah, and, it's just yeah. schizophrenic. And I'm just like, I have nowhere to like balance my eye. And that's a cityscape. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cityscape of cabinetry. That was like a really hot thing. Yeah. And I bet you did it in, we did it in different furniture colors. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, we never totally. <laughs> I don't remember when it was hot, what era it was trending really hard, but that used to be a thing. And so to those of you that still have it, we're sorry. We're not picking on you. We're just saying, don't do it moving forward. Yeah. Take, or, your, take your cabinets to the ceiling with a straight line. Yeah. If your ceilings are too tall, which this happens to us every day on a new build, people think the taller the ceiling, the better. Kitchens, you can't have that tall ceilings in because otherwise your cabinets just end and there's like a dust collector and then the ceiling goes way on before that. So we're like furring down soffits to to dive those cabinets into up above it, but we still want a straight line when we do it. Yep. The next quote is from David Cahoy, I think is is how you pronounce his name. Uh, He says, vessel sinks are aesthetically offensive, functionally ridiculous, and a prejudice against your cute, petite friends. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. I was just talking to my sweet, petite mother last night who says she has to stand on her tiptoes to spit when she brushes her teeth because her vessel sink sits on top of her already kind of tall vanity because my dad's tall. So they made their cabinets a little taller and then put vessel sinks on top when they built their home 20 years ago. Insult to injury. (laughs) Poor girl, like having to like need a step stool to get up there and, you know, brush your teeth almost. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that it is definitely, what do you say? Prejudice against your cute petite (laughs) friends. I think it's done. I, we haven't seen a vessel sink in a while. We haven't specified one. No. Yeah. We're over it. If you're tempted, I don't know the other thing that comes with the vessel sink is the wall mount faucet. Or the too tall of a faucet, right? Mm-hmm. You're putting a kitchen kind of, faucet in your bathroom, basically. Yeah, so it's yeah. awkward. So you've got to like really get that right um, with the wall mount faucet. I'm not saying anything against that, but it it's it comes with it's a hard thing to get really right. And mm. I think that like reclaimed wood, not really like reclaimed wood, but like that, I think it's had its time in the sun, and everybody's done with that movement. And we're just integrating everything, integrating the sinks. Under the surfaces, we're integrating the hardware. That really beautiful, built-in, well-made look is what everybody's wanting right now. And they're terrible to clean. Think about that vessel sink when you talked about putting a faucet behind there. Oh, having to get the grime and grit so like, right. out of there. It's just not functional. Like yeah. you, you, There's things that you can't see that can grow stuff. And I it's think unnatural. That it's unnatural. Or too natural in yeah. that sense. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. You know how many times. Untame. <laughs> you, yeah. You know how many times I wipe something from the counter into the sink? I can't do it. Thinking of that. I'm yeah. just like, man, that's, uh, I, that's something I take for Corey's granted. dry heaving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's disgusting. It is. Yeah. Avoid condo art or tourist art. I don't, what, what do you guys think of that? Um, the quote, <laughs> <laughs> on it is if there are buses parked in front of the gallery, go elsewhere. Yes, totally. You guys all know what we're talking about when we say condo art or tourist art, or I want to say timeshare art. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. If it's yeah. behind, Came it's, with the a frame. Painting it's all very themey. And it has a typed like title at the bottom. Don't mm. get it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Art's a hard one. I will say it's the hardest layer. Um, we'll design an incredible scene for any room in the house and the clients will be a go, but then the art is usually like, you know, mm-hmm. like 
we don't understand this or we want it to mean something to us or I don't like the feeling this is giving or um, I don't know. Some people don't want to pay for original. Other people do want original. It's a, it's a really, really fine. It would probably be like trying to choose a wedding ring. You know, people just want it to mean something and Mm -hmm. remind them of something. And it's gotta be so special and I'm going to live with it forever. Kind of a feeling. Do you think couples, do you guys find that couples disagree more on art than anything else or? You know, actually, no, I think most couples surprisingly Mm -hmm. would probably agree because they've had similar experiences where art is emotional. They might not agree on a sofa arm (laughs) or you know like one's traditional one's a little bit more contemporary but I think art is I haven't really run into too much of that I don't know about you guys but um what so is are are the breaks just like kind of you were saying on like on art just like not having a connection to it yeah and a lot of people haven't bought art before they just don't understand what they're drawn to yet yeah they don't so they don't find a lot of value in it but if you want to get a piece that's large enough to fill your great room walls right? Then it's going to cost some money. If you've ever had anything framed, even at Michael's, right? The bigger the frame, the more expensive that piece is. And you can imagine buying large art plus framing it is a lot of money. So I feel like we do a really good job at getting super large pieces at really, really fair prices. But, you know, it's just like, they feel like, oh my gosh, it's such a huge commitment. It's such a vibe. And I don't know, I've never bought art before. And Mm. it's just kind of this feels like a lost art or something. Yeah. I mean, if, if you can't get along with a lot, then usually you can get along with like a landscape or some sort of contemporary movement. That's just like ethereal. It's just a feeling, but it's not so much a subject matter. The subject matter is the most polarizing thing. People are like, I cannot have a subject in my art. I don't want another person looking back at me Mm. or I don't like horses, you know, or, um, Oh, it's an interesting thing. One thing that really sells super fast and really well is whenever we get this art in with skiers in it, because we live in Utah. So people walk in and they're like, oh my gosh, I love that. Right. Because it's this mm-hmm. activity and we all have memories of skiing here. So that's an easy sell. Um, and then usually just really simple col- color palettes, but anything that's really going to bring your room alive, there's always great pause to like doing that really fashionable, bold thing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Which to that, I think most people need to kind of go on that exploration, even almost be, a little bit before you work with a designer, mm-hmm. just to kind of understand. Or and a good designer can help you work through that, but just kind of figure out where you lie on art, and go from there. Yeah. yeah. But don't, but don't call it. And especially this condo art, that's like the stuff that you'd get at like Bed Bath and Beyond too. Oh, like it's, it's just glossy um, and it's, it's glossy. Also, it's, it's not big enough. You're not gonna don't it's, ever ever listen. Anybody within the sound of my voice right now, never hang a canvas wrapped anything on your wall. Canvas only, no frame. That's not a thing anymore. That's funny. That's not okay. So not like a family picture. No, no. no. (laughs) Get it framed with a floater frame or something. Yeah, but also don't print it on canvas anymore. I feel like we're done with that. Yeah, my canvas is for like painters. Yeah, it's for art. It's for (laughs) For like real art. It's not for We do not want to see what your face looks like on canvas. Not right now. It gives it thickness on the wall, but it's just, it's a really like fictitious, like it's not good guys. It's not a painting of you. It's a photograph. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a pixelated photograph because it's like stretched on a canvas. (laughs) You you following us right now? Sucks so bad. (laughs) It does. (laughs) Don't do that. Yeah. The canvas wrap's tricky unless it's art painting, but even then you need a frame. And you don't know it's canvas because you have layers of paint on it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Uh, That's funny. <laughs> we had a really good question from a listener. Um, her name's Joy Smith. And she said, can you explain some of the common terms, events, etc.?" cetera? Uh, like, for example, what is market? What are show houses? And what are some must-read, must-have books and some must-have tools? So we thought we would just break it down. So any of you um, listeners out there that also don't know what these terms are, we'll all feel like we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah, so um, the first question is, um, what is market? So um, market is... Uh, it's a, sh- well, it's a, you go to a city, uh, <laughs> um, New York has a market, Dallas has a show, Atlanta has a show. The biggest of all the shows is in, um, High Point, North Carolina, and it's an entire city and, um, vendors have actually taken over, um, all of the shops in town. And they also have a huge building that's several stories tall and, you know, I don't even know how many miles around it would be, um, to be able to walk it and people come and they exhibit little showrooms there so that you can essentially see any products or any offerings. So that really it's a global thing. Like people come from all over to be able to show their wares there or their furniture lines or their pillow lines or their art or anything you could possibly need for the home is shown at the high point market and has been probably one of the largest shows for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I asked one time, why is it in High Point, North Carolina? And they said, well, because it's where the furniture's always been made. Because they would float the logs down the river. They would pull them onto shore. They would dry them out. And then they would make furniture out of them. And then people would come and buy the furniture in North Carolina. So it's always been a huge source of industry for the folks in North Carolina. And continues to be a real leader in the industry. But Atlanta has a show. And they're all at different times of the year. Like um, the North Carolina show is always April and October. Um, Las Vegas now has a market for the more Western states that hasn't, it's, it's a really great market. It's not quite as huge as North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And that one is usually in like January and June. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're usually about six months apart. Atlanta has one in April and it's more of a gift and accessories show. Um, so they all sort of have their specializations. Um, Dallas has a really great market too that mostly has everything, just a smaller sampling of it. So it's just, it kind of depends on where you're from and what your needs are and how often you need and want new things to go get inspired to pick up new brands. It is only for the, tra- the design trade. So if you own a business, you're going to have to show ID and register with your business ID to be able to get into these shows ahead of time. And then you wear um, a lanyard around your neck with a big badge that shows if you're a buyer, if you're an exhibitor, um, if you're a guest of an exhibitor or something like that. And then they scan your badge into every showroom that you go in. And um, it's just a great opportunity to buy. That's traditionally how we used to always buy. Today, um, we go to see what's new and take pictures and show clients. And then maybe we buy it later on. We might not buy right at market. Some things we buy right at market. And to get impressions. Yeah, Yeah. totally. We um, are, I think we're kind of unique. We spend almost, we spend a full week at market. Most people fly in for a weekend, but it's kind of our main buying trip. And so... Um, because there's so much to see in North Carolina. We can only see like, 
just the vendors that we want to see. But if we want to scout for new vendors, we almost don't even have time to do it in a week. It's so huge. It's massive. Yeah. I've always kind of likened it to the fall fashion week, you know, yeah. in New York is that this is what this is for interior designers. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is, this is our, the big hurrah. We look forward to it. Mm-hmm. Designers prep for it. We're always, people are always asking, so what are the new trends? What are you seeing at market? And we can always identify what metals are kind of like coming into vogue. What's on the clotting edge? And I think it's just a good, it's a good way for us to just stay, stay up on things. Yeah. And they're always yeah. showing. Um, so if we're there and say, October of 2021, they're going to be showing spring of 2022. So they're always showing six months ahead and you're buying for six months ahead because that, that way they know how much of that product to make as well. Cause you kind of go and vote with your dollar, if you will, to yeah. say, Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with this new shape. I totally want it. We're going to buy it. And then they're like, okay, it's a winner. Let's move forward with it. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have six months to um, buy materials, you know, produce enough frames, buy enough fabric to make all of the furniture that people are, we're interested in at the show. Yeah. Have you guys ever bought anything that didn't like get into production? They were like, Oh, we didn't really sell enough. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All of our favorites. Everything <laughs> we love. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Bummer. It's funny. Which is good. We like the stuff that no one else likes apparently. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And then we get really mad and we're like, geez, we were really like, that's the thing that's been keeping me up at night. I'm so stoked that you were going to make that. And they're like, yeah, not everybody understood it. Mm. Like that's proof that it's wonderful. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So it's frustrating. Uh, Sometimes we beg them to sell us their samples at the very least so we can have it. So it's retailers going there to meet up with wholesalers, right? right? Yeah. And so I would imagine probably that comes from like retailers being like, I don't want to buy that because it probably might not sell at my store. Right. A little more opinionated. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like it can be a really expensive thing that you're voting for. Mm. And if you, if you think about it, like you're doing it for every category in the entire home, rugs, bedding, artwork, accessories, you know, it's everything. You can easily go there and spend several hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, voting on your favorites, buying your favorites, and then expecting to see them show up six months later. Mm. It's really fun. Sounds fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, you guys hear us say all the time, like, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger. It's going to make your space feel bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that mirror on top of the chest could go clear to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. That's going to make a huge entryway and your entry will feel big. Yeah. Um, for the ground, I, I cannot stress this enough. I think it'd be so cool if you guys did a search online for antique hand knotted rugs. You can afford to do this in your entryway because maybe your entry, you need five by seven. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's even a four by six. I don't know how big of a rug will fit. Go as big as you dare do it mm-hmm. and search for that because that rug will never wear out um, because it's knotted. And so you can get it cleaned a hundred times and it will clean up so beautifully and continue to wear it. Also, they're thinner. And so the door can usually swing over the top of them. Make sure and get a good rug pad. If it's going on a hard surface like um, tile or hardwood, you can just get those little silicone waffly kind. Put that under it will help grip it. Um, so I think that would be a really gorgeous first impression. And when it's vintage, it's going to cost less than yeah. buying a new hand knotted rug. Totally. So again, ways to tighten up your budget. That is an awesome way and you're going to search for hand knotted. Mm-hmm. You're going to write that in your little search bar. And you can you can do things like Persian. You can do Turkish. You can do Moroccan. You know, yeah. You can get clever. Make sure it has the word vintage in front of it. Because if you get the new ones, then you might be surprised at the price. Oh, girl. 
Sue, I think this would be a really good place to talk about. Sue has got a really good eye and she's great at the high-low game. You just recently moved into a brand new home and had a baby. Not a brand new home. <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> Definitely not brand new. It was new to you. <laughs> yes. It was uh, an older home built in the 70s with a lot of potential. And Sue yeah. has a gorgeous eye, so she did the right thing. Um, but she, So she moved into a new home to them, and she had a baby at the same time and was just like, oh my gosh, I don't have anything for a nursery because everything I have goes to my other son and you had given away your crib already. So tell them how you did the high-low game in the nursery. Yeah, the high-low game. The first thing I did, again, one thing to invest in, I think is your window treatments or just like shades. So you skin the room and what you can. So like we we carpeted, we painted. And that's something obviously, as far as designing on a budget, if you want a big look, Mm -hmm. I think this is a great point. That you can skip if you like. I love wallpaper. I love an attitude. Um, but I just moved into this house and I just needed to have it be expressive. And so we painted it green, but I painted this walls the same color as the ceiling. And I did a tone of that on. Tell them how tall your ceilings are. I have eight foot ceilings. That's 96 inches. Mm-hmm. Not very tall. And probably a lot of older homes, if you're living in an older home, are only eight feet. And so by taking that color of the wall onto the ceiling, I think it grew. Jess, would you agree? Oh yeah, for sure. It just looks opinionated, like just no regrets. It's a super confident way to design a space mm-hmm. by just taking that color and wrapping it. And paint's the cheapest thing you can do, yeah, guys, to have a big design um, on, yeah. on short ceilings and a short budget. So we did that. And for, you painted it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Totally. But luckily, he that was one of his previous lives. He was a house painter, so. Anyway, he painted. I yeah. Paint it. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Other lights too that are just like, I don't know, builder grade, called it in, got it at Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you're probably sick of them. And so, yeah, those those are the things that I think you should start to like look at and say, which ones like are actually giving me joy? We're going to Marie Kondo this, guys. <laughs> which ones are giving you joy and which ones would you absolutely hate? Yeah. When we first moved into like this little house that we're in, there was a lot of like weird lights. So I actually took until I can afford to like replace all of them. I took most of them down and just like left the, like the little, the bulb, like Mm -hmm. I'd rather look at the bulb and just like accentuate my art and stuff around it. Um, then have that light distract because I hated them so much. So, and then like piece by piece, I'm just replacing the spots and just finding ones that I really love. And it's amazing. We just put one in the entry that's darling and it's us. And I'm just like, okay, this is starting to feel like mine. Awesome. And so I think it's a really important way. So if, if you hate it, um, don't look at it anymore. Yeah. Take it down. Totally. Or, it's such yeah. an instant way to make your house also feel, I think, higher end and yeah. custom. It will feel completely you mm-hmm. when you invest in those little things that are light giving and yeah, it's so beautiful. The last thing on walls is you have to hang art on the walls, guys. I know holes are scary in a fresh wall, but it's a must if you want your house to feel like something. Guess what? You're going to cover up the holes anyway. Even if there's five behind that piece of art, nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows. It makes it feel like someone lives there too. Yeah. I recently. It gives it a soul. Yeah. Last week I hung and I was like, we moved in. I finally hung up art and I was like, we moved in. Totally. It does. So. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a game changer for sure. It really is. And we always say this, but go bigger. And, you know, in spots and then like when the time is right, goes small and intimate, you know, like mm-hmm. those, those are charming details when you can contrast scale 
with your art and whether it's going from baseboard to ceiling or you have a big, I think in a lot of like monastery homes and like, you know, this California vibe, like you see this white wall with like this focus, like really important painting Mm -hmm. and like, that's all it needed. But it adds charm because it like references something in the past. It references an old mission. It, you know, something it's, it's so, um, it's such a transportation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To a more creative like space. Yeah. Put your art on your walls, go collect art guys. I can't like say that enough. It really just is everything. We live in a 1971 like cowboy ranch with eight foot ceilings and nothing architecturally to like glow. But because I have art on my walls, it feels like I'm in a gallery. Mm-hmm. It's everything. Yeah, it changes. And the scale of Suze's art is massive and the space yeah. feels bigger and it yeah. feels alive. Yeah. And it's got a soul to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's put great. It and put art lights up because art lights are charming AF guys. Get yeah, up. they are. Yeah. So good. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like our show, please leave a five-star rating. 